Hello, and you're listening to the Convos with Bill podcast. Today, we're here with Matt Larison. How you doing? How you doing, Billy? Not too bad. Matt Larison is the coach of the 14U Kangalosi Black Sox baseball team, and today we're going to ask him a few questions about baseball and even more about life. So we're going to start off with you being a baseball coach. A very simple question. How, what got you into the game of baseball? Yeah, I, I, always, uh, <clears throat> I always revert back to just being a, a kid in southern Indiana, just growing up, looking forward all year to baseball season. You know, my dad played ball. You know, I started as young as I could. Just played Little League Baseball. You know, we didn't have travel baseball back then. It was you spent about nine months looking forward to baseball season, and then you spent about six weeks practicing, getting ready, and then you had about two months of playing games. And, and if you were good, you got to keep playing uh, for a couple weekends of All-Stars. And, and uh, so it just seemed like the season was never long enough. You know, it was about – I don't know, 10 or 12 weekends total and may may end up 20, 25 games if you were lucky. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's how it was back then. Um, so you played in high school, and uh, could you explain your high school career for us? as uh, like Because I'm pretty sure you were a pitcher. That's right. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I was a pitcher from an early age. Um, you know, had a, a strong arm, threw the ball pretty hard. And, um, you know, so, yeah, so fast forward through those Little League years. Um, was lucky enough to get asked to play uh, with the, the Senior Legion summer team as an eighth grader and, and even got to pitch a few games for them. And um, so I was four-year letterman um, at my school. Um, Set a, uh, a single-season win record uh, as a junior. Set a state strikeout record. So I was was, was having a lot of success. I um, I was getting a fair amount of attention. There was a a, a guy that was a year ahead of me. Uh, his name was Jason Wright, and he was a third-round pick, uh, major league draft. So uh, he was throwing the ball about 96 mile an hour. Uh, as a senior, but he had some arm problems. Yeah. So the uh, the scouts would show up to see him. Uh, he'd throw about 10 or 15 pitches and come out with a sore elbow, and then I would take the mound. Mm-hmm. And uh, so as a junior, I was uh, I was throwing the ball 87, 88 mile an hour, and it led to quite a bit of, of chatter and quite a bit of interest. <clears throat> so I went through that junior year. That was the year I set a, a state win record for a season. I pitched a lot. There were there were weeks mm-hmm. that I would pitch on Monday and again on Wednesday. Yeah. So we we finished that season, uh, ended up getting knocked out in the semi-state. Came back to senior year, wasn't quite uh, as as fit. Uh, I was my playing weight as a junior was about 195 pounds. For some reason I gained uh, 25 pounds going into my senior year, and I I felt like it really hurt my athleticism. Uh, on the mound Mm -hmm. okay and um, so went through the senior year didn't have the the bang up senior year that I would have expected or would have hoped for coming off of a junior year Mm -hmm. like I had Um, so still had some interest still had some college interest Indiana University Ball State Um, I was on a recruiting visit down at IU and uh, I was sitting with uh, John Cougar Mellencamp uh, it was, we were at a basketball game. They took me to an IU basketball game. And I'm sitting there with John Cougar Mellencamp and his wife. 
and I'll never forget, uh, they were playing Iowa because A.C. Earl uh, was about five feet away from me on the post on the floor, and that is the biggest human being I've ever been next to. <laughs> um, but I had a great visit, and uh, they were interested, and, and then it came time to look at transcripts. And uh, when, they, when they looked at my transcripts, they said, wow, you know, we should have looked at this before, you brought, before we brought you down here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that was the first stumbling block during my senior year that was kind of like, wow, you know, what, what just happened, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, there, was, there was other interests, Ball State. It was a similar story. <laughs> Didn't have fantastic grades. So uh, then IUPUI stepped in, uh, Coach Shambaugh over at IUPUI called me up and said, you know, we, I've watched you play, I've, I've looked at your stats and film, and you know, I'd love to see you come here. So I went up and met with him. Obviously, I wasn't a great student, and I just wasn't sure college was for me. Uh, I had some interest from, uh, I was still getting some letters from some professional organizations and thought there was a chance I might be drafted. Uh, ended up at a San Diego Padres workout, and um, so I went out and I threw my bullpen, and uh, I felt like I threw well. I felt strong, and I, I came off the mound following the bullpen, and I went over to the scout, and uh, I said, how hard was I throwing, sir? And he said, 78. And I said, excuse me? And he said, 78 mile an hour, son. And I, I said on my curveball, and he said, no, your fastball. And my ego could not handle that, that I had lost between 9 and 10 mile an hour from my junior year to my senior year. So I packed up my stuff, and I, I walked off the field. It was i never forget, we were at uh, Indiana State is where the workout was. And uh, my dad was waiting for me uh, at the truck. And I picked my bag up and put it in the truck, and I said, I'm finished. And they said, what do you mean? I said, I, I'm, I'm finished playing baseball. So it was a little bit of a, a sad ending uh, for me at the time. But uh, in hindsight, I uh, wish I would have pursued it uh, longer and, and harder, wish I would have played it as long as I could. Yeah, so that, that was kind of my career in a nutshell. I mean, we, as a team, we made uh, four semi-state runs, got knocked out four years straight in semi-state. Um, we were, as a junior, we were ranked number one in the state for a good portion of the season. Um, so we played a lot of high level. We played well. We were a big school, big division school. So I was fortunate to be surrounded by other good ball players as well. Yeah, so that's, that's his high school career. So... Obviously, he had a great leading up to it, and obviously not the finish he wanted, but that leads into where he is today as a coach. So would you say, so over time, from your playing days to now that you're coaching, what would you say the biggest thing that you think about the game of baseball, what would you say the biggest change is from your playing days now to when you're a coach? Yeah, so this is a two-part question for me, Bill. So, um one in one aspect, uh, I would talk about actual tech, technicalities and philosophies, and I mean it's such more of a scientific game today than it was then. Uh, hit tracks and and all these tools that we have to measure things. We never knew what our uh, exit velocity was. We never knew uh, unless you were really good, good enough to get a scout's attention. You never knew how hard you threw. So there's just so much more science in the game today. 
the hitting philosophies have totally changed. I mean, talking about launch angles and and I mean, we're thinking about it. We're thinking about things that we never even considered uh, back then. I would say also from coaching, from playing to coaching philosophy. You know, when you're a player, it's really hard to focus on anything more than the moment, and and you're really focused on. Unfortunately, you get focused on the failures uh, and, and and the successes. But as a coach it's much easier to see the bigger picture. And you start to understand that it's really about the process uh, and not necessarily about the immediate result. And so certainly there was more adrenaline rush as a player, but it's definitely been more fulfilling as a coach. So obviously, so yeah, as a coach, now, like you said, it's more about the way that you can get to that finish than what happens in the immediate moment. So, so now we're going to actually step away from that. And like I said, in all my episodes, we include this uh, of question about food all the time. Uh, it's always a different question, except I have asked this one before. Now I'm going to ask you, you being a baseball coach, what is your favorite ballpark food? <laughs> Uh, I don't think you can go wrong with a good ballpark, Frank, and an ice-cold beer if it's, uh, if it's a professional game. Yeah. <laughs> so, that would be my pick. I like the pretzels, too, but yeah. I like food. So Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> so, now we're going to go into a topic that is big in today's game of baseball. It's now, and it's changed a lot over time. I want to ask your opinion on pitch counts and just that whole concept and how that how you've seen that change over time yeah so I I always I don't have a lot of footage of me when I played ball but I do have a video of a uh, of a game of a a VCR tape of a game that I pitched as a junior uh, and so that would have been 1995 and I pitched a it was a regional final game and I've been meaning to go back and to actually count the pitches that I threw in that game, but I haven't I haven't done that. But I can safely estimate it in the neighborhood of 150, maybe as high as 160. I pitched seven-inning game, 16-strikeout game, had tons of full counts, uh, had you know runners on base throughout the game. So no question, uh, it was a 150, 160-pitch game. So then I look at that. And I think about what happened between my junior and my senior season and the way I fell off. And I guess I'd just sum it up like this. There is only so many bullets in every arm. There is, a, there is absolutely a number. And, and you don't know what that number is. But I, I can only wish that we had pitch counts when we were kids. You know, if, if, if we had an all-star tournament and you could throw seven innings on a weekend – I threw seven innings. If you could throw 21 outs, I threw 21 outs. You know, whatever it was, if it was an out-based system or an inning-based system or if it was 10 innings, I think it was usually 10 innings, and I would throw 10. Um, And so would the other guys that were pitchers. And, you know, so so pitch counts are something that we place a high value on them. And and I even like to pay attention to total throws. Um, You know, I I think about a guy like yourself or – uh, other guys that pitch and catch, and you try to, you really want to keep that in check and think about total throws and, and, 
you know, there's certain, certainly, um, you know, pitch counts can go up as kids get older and are more conditioned, um, but they have to stay in check and, and they have to have days off and they have to have rest. And, you know, even when, when we were kids, like we talked about, we didn't play travel baseball. So we maybe played 20 games. I mean, we play 40 and 50 game seasons now and, and lots of kids play for multiple teams. So if you're not careful, you know, that, that arm is valuable. You know, that can be, that can be extremely valuable and you can waste it on youth baseball and never have a chance to see what you can do as you get older. Uh, so pitch counts are one of the greatest things that's come into the game. Uh, they should be more strict than they are. Uh, and, and that's why, and Billy, you've seen this firsthand. If, if we have a number in mind, we, we know, we, okay, let's say we've paid attention to it. We want to keep Billy under 80 pitches this weekend. It doesn't really matter what the situation is because this youth baseball game doesn't mean a whole lot in the scope of Billy's life. Yeah, so like he said, so nowadays, especially someone like my age that's 14 years old, this game that I'm playing at 14 years old is not going to make or break the future of my career. So we want to make sure we can protect uh, people's arms as much as possible. So that, that's, that's where uh, pitch counts have come in over time. And like you said, back then, that, that wasn't a thing. And nowadays, it's, it's very big with baseball. Like, for example, Nolan Ryan probably in a lot of his games pitched yeah, – he pitched 200 pitches one game. And – and that, like, nowadays, if you saw someone pitch 200 pitch, it's just, un it wouldn't happen. It's, it would not be let happen, and it's, it's unheard of. So, I want to ask you another thing that a lot of coaches uh, face, and some coaches are for it, some coaches are against it. I want to ask you how you feel on your players, or just players in general, playing multiple sports. Yeah, so, you know, with every, with every sport, well, let me preface this with, when I look at a baseball team, no matter how good we are, no matter what level we play at, if, if we're playing like we are right now, with, which is what I would consider the most elite level you can find in the state we're in, or other teams I've coached in the past that were rec teams and low-level teams, when I look at those teams, I always think to myself, the next Nolan Ryan is probably not on this team. No offense, Billy. But having said that, uh, it's all about personal development. It's all about character development. What we're really doing is we're helping boys develop into young men, men that can be upstanding members of society, productive members of society when they grow up, when they're done playing baseball. So I think all the different sports bring different pieces of character development, right? Football is an ultimate team sport. Baseball is a very individual sport. It's a team sport made up of individual performances. So... I'm all about playing every sport that you can get your hands on because I think every sport that you can play builds a different piece of character for an individual. Uh, and, and it really builds a more complete individual. I'd also say it also pushes you athletically. You're going to develop different parts of your athleticism in different sports. Couldn't agree more. Me as a multiple sport athlete, I feel that Playing multiple sports has not only helped me mentally through sports, but also physically. So, because obviously one sport could get you in shape for the other, while maybe 
another sport could get you in mental shape for another sport. So, for example, I'd say baseball probably gets me into better mental shape for uh, football coming up than um, maybe track would. Because track, I'm just going out there, I do my event. Maybe that might get me in physical shape, but baseball, you're always thinking. It's it's a mind game. So. Yeah. You're, you're always thinking of what you have to do the next play. If this scenario happens, you have to know what to do. If this happens, you have to know what to do. You have to know the situation, what's going on. So it's it's very mental game and can really prepare anybody mentally for any sports they have coming up. So uh, so I love the fact of playing multiple sports. I, I think it's great. So, so now I kind of asked you this already, but we're going to kind of touch on a little bit more. You've been both a player and a coach, um, so you've seen both sides of baseball as a player and as a coach. How would you say, what, what would you say the differences are of uh, being in the game of baseball as a player and as a coach? Yeah, I, I just really think it comes down to uh, as a player, you're in the moments. Um, you have the adrenaline rush of striking the guy out or hitting a walk-off or you know, making a play. As a coach, it's big picture. Um, yeah, you see the game. You're coaching to win the game, but you're seeing the process. You're seeing the process of developing the the boys into young men. You're seeing you're seeing those decisions that they make, and you you see when you find your successes in the small things that they do. You know, you have a a, a player that maybe has a struggle with failure. Okay, he, he gets down on himself with failure and you coach through that and you and it's hard. It's hard to break that and to let him uh, understand that baseball is a game of failure and that the best of the best fail seven out of ten times. So when you have that breakthrough with a player and you see them uh, stop getting down on their self or start uh, start to understand what it means to be a great teammate uh, and you think, okay. Now someday that guy's going to be a great teammate in the workplace. That's where I see the biggest differences. I mean, you, you, you still get excited with the wins, but nobody's keeping track of my win-loss record as a youth baseball coach, and, and, and I'm not keeping track of it either. Yeah, so like you said, as, as, as a player, you're in the moment. You know you're, you're, you're for what's going on right there and what's happening. As a coach, you kind of see the bigger picture. You you're, you've got a whole team of these young young men that you're trying to develop to be better people, not only better baseball players, but better people. So so as a coach, you kind of, whereas a player, you kind of paint a little portion of the picture. As a coach, you see the whole picture. So you see the whole thing. So I want to ask you, if if you're talking to a young baseball player, maybe like myself, that wants to maybe create a career in baseball and wants to go to college, what advice would you give young players that want to make it in the game of baseball? Yeah, so this is an easy one. Um, be an elite person first. Uh, you know, I, I talk to a lot of uh, guys from you know, uh, scouting agencies and, and baseball reporting agencies, and they always say the same thing. You've got to be an elite person first. Second is you've got to be an elite student. Uh, you don't want to find yourself in the shape I was in where you have an opportunity to play D1 baseball and can't do it. Uh, that was a hard pill to swallow. And then lastly, worry about being an elite athlete. Um, now, all three have to align to play big-time college baseball. 
so understand that if if any of the three isn't there, you're not going to play big time college baseball. Uh, but but that would be my advice: be an elite person, be an elite student, be an elite athlete. I couldn't agree more. And like you said, and the word and you hear it from coaches all the time is that players need to be student athletes, student first. So you hear that a lot, and then and then you see examples where it's proven that you need coach, coaches want to have good the good students on their team. So so um, so I'm gonna ask you every in every one of my episodes, I like to give people some good words of wisdom to, to kind of go forth with their day. So if you're going to give any words of wisdom to the people listening to this episode, what would you say those words of wisdom would be? Well, I don't think we could talk about um, inspirational or words of wisdom in the year 2020 without talking about COVID um, because it's affected all of our lives. It's affected everything that we've done, and it almost took away our baseball season. So my, my advice... Uh, would be to learn from this and what I hope every one of our players learn and I hope hope players everywhere learn this is not to take the game for granted we almost lost this season we almost didn't get to play baseball this year and kids should understand the kids that get to play on our team and all these other teams and high level teams like we have should understand that there's kids everywhere every year that don't get to play so Don't take it for granted. Be thankful for what you have. Take every pitch, go into every pitch, understanding that it could be your last, and just make the most, you know. Don't take pitches off. Don't take plays off. uh, And take this to other parts of your life. Understand that this is a great lesson learned at 14, but it goes all all the way throughout your life. You know, be thankful for every single day as a gift. Every day is a gift. So, as he just said, every day is a gift. So, actually, I have a shirt that says that from a tournament we played in called the Brock Strong Tournament for a young boy who uh, unfortunately died earlier earlier than we would like. But, like he said, we need to understand that every single day that we get is a gift. It's a gift from God and that, that we need to learn that we don't want to take that for granted. Like he said, from COVID, we've learned that everything's almost taken away from us in a heartbeat and we need to and now we have learned that you don't want to take things for granted like a lot of especially me and a lot of kids my age I've heard a lot of them say man I'm never taking school for granted again because a lot of because I remember saying because with this online school I remember saying man I really wish we had school which I never thought I'd hear those words come out of my mouth but it's just those things you realize I don't want to take this for granted because this is a very important thing that I didn't realize was this important. I didn't realize the way we were doing it was better until I had it taken away from me. So, for example, if if I were to be playing baseball and someone would just all of a sudden say, "You can't play baseball anymore." Well, I'm not going to take I'm not I'm not going to take that lightly, and that's basically what COVID did was it it took a lot of things out of our lives for a certain time and thankfully that we were able to come together and make it better or else it would have really spiraled out of control everything would have been 
basically just rip, ripped out of our lives, taken away from us, and we, it wouldn't have been able to work. So like, like he said, know that every day is a gift and don't take things for granted because every, everything, not, not only just the days, like obviously thank God for waking up, but everything he gives us plus that is a bonus because just the fact that we woke up today is a miracle. Like he, he could have easily said, God could have easily said, you know what, uh, you're not going to wake up. Well, but you did. And, and it's a blessing, it's a miracle, and we just need to be thankful, not take it for granted, and be happy that we're here on this earth uh, with wonderful people um, and the fact that we can just live happy lives to the best we can. So I so, think we're going to call that the end of the episode, as I like to end everything with the inspirational words of wisdom. So we, thank you for being on here, Coach. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Billy. Appreciate it. Of course. So everyone listening to this, I hope you have a blessed day, and God bless.